0: Chapter 4, God's Choice of Jacob and Esau, Romans nine ten 10-13. It may be shocking to realize that God chose both Jacob and Esau. Most studies and commentaries on Romans 9 will say that God chose Jacob instead of Esau. Those which recognize that God chose both Jacob and Esau are usually written by Calvinistic scholars who want to teach double predestination, so that Jacob was chosen by God for justification and eternal life, while Esau was chosen by God for reprobation and eternal damnation. Ernst Cosiman, a Lutheran scholar, was quoted before, but his statement is appropriate here as well. Only here does Paul present double predestination. Not until this is admitted without reserve can one see its necessary delimitations and ask about its significance within the framework of the Apostles' theology. Many Calvinists concur, such as A.W. Pink and R.C. Sproul, Jr. Such authors see from the text that both Jacob and Esau were chosen by God but believing as they do that election is to eternal life or eternal death, conclude that Jacob was chosen for redemption and Esau was chosen for damnation. We can, however, agree with the Calvinists that both Jacob and Esau were chosen by God while disagreeing with the Calvinists that God chose one for eternal life and the other for eternal damnation. Instead, Since election is to service, God chose one to perform one type of service and the other for a different type. Paul begins his discussion in Romans 9-6 by stating that they are not all Israel who are of Israel. When we remember that Israel is another name for Jacob, Paul's point becomes clear. He is saying two things that not all who are physical descendants from Jacob are members of the nation of Israel, and not all who are members of the nation of Israel can trace their lineage back to Jacob. One example of what Paul is referring to is when the Israelites left Egypt. When they left, some Israelites stayed in Egypt because they did not want to abandon the positions of relative power and influence they had gained in Egypt, while at the same time, many Egyptians left Egypt and joined with Israel in the Exodus. Exodus 12.38 In so doing, the Israelites who stayed behind essentially became Egyptians, and the Egyptians who went with Israel essentially became Israelites. Similar shifts occurred at various times throughout Israelite history. The Samaritans were a contemporary example in the days of Jesus and Paul. Not all national Israelites are descendants of Jacob, and not all who are descendants of Jacob are part of national Israel. In Romans 9 7, Paul writes that this separation of some physical descendants from the national identity began from the very beginning of Israel with Abraham himself. Abraham had two sons, Ishmael and Isaac, and yet God said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. So here also, not all who are physical descendants of Abraham were called by God to fulfill the purpose for which God chose and called Abraham. This does not mean that Ishmael and his descendants are accursed or cut off from God, for God also promised to bless him, multiply his people, and make him into a great nation. Genesis 17.20 Yet the blessing of God upon Ishmael was different than the blessing God had in store for Isaac. Paul's point is that it is the children of the promise who fulfill God's covenant to Abraham, not the children of the flesh. Romans nine 8. Again, since the promise to Abraham was that in him all the world would be blessed, Genesis twelve three, there is nothing in Paul's words about the eternal destiny of either type of Abraham's descendants. Paul does not say that all of Isaac's descendants will end up in heaven while all of Ishmael's will end up in hell. The same is true of the descendants of Jacob and Esau.